Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. and welcome to one up delivered through the ai podcast channel i'm your host as ever guy drinkle and joining me as usual as ever is carl how you doing buddy not too bad guy how about yourself yeah i'm all good i'm all good it's a bit of a milder day over in the northeast up here so happy happy guy not this not this above 20 nonsense today uh <laughs> but yeah how how as, well, you're not British, but you can't almost British. <laughs> How's the weather going over in Ireland? Uh, I think it's just under 20 degrees now, which is fairly warm for our standards. Naturally, we're a little colder than than uh, you have it over there. Um, so I was there for a walk kind of before we, we went on with the show. And I have to say, I, I, I drank my water bottle within the first like 20 minutes of a of an hour long walk. So that'll, that'll tell you how not used to this I am. But we <laughs> may as well enjoy it while it's there, though, I suppose, because I've seen it's inevitably going to rain next week. So back to the norm, back to the norm, the lovely July weather. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but we're not here to talk about the weather unless people want that. <laughs> but just give us a message if you want the weather podcast. <laughs> uh, but we are here to do a podcast. I'm not sure if we promised that on the pod, but we, we thought, well, we found this idea and thought of it like a good six, seven months ago. That was the plan. And then we kind of didn't. Uh, but we're going to go through uh, each other's hist- uh, history of gaming. I think we're going to do mine first. But um, we'll, we'll we'll kind of explain it a bit closer before we we go through it. But um, Carl, we, as ever, we do start with the news and not too much news. Obviously, we're kind of in the gap after post E three where there's not much happening now. But what's in the news then? Yeah, so uh, as you say, we are kind of in that that lull between the post E three and the pre TGS kind of build up of news. Um, but there, there, there's a few things that that stand out as always. Uh, number one on the lineup, Alan Wake developer Remedy regains publishing rights, and this comes from Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer. 
And Tom writes, Remedy Entertainment has regained the publishing rights to Alan Wake from Microsoft. Now busy crafting the very promising looking control, Remedy today told investors it would earn approximately 2.5 million euro of royalties for, quote, previously released games, end quote, this year. After ownership of the spooky novel writing adventure shooter, quote, reverted, end quote, back to the studio. It's fair to say the relationship between Remedy and Microsoft was left strained by the pair's last project together, the live-action TV-slash-game hybrid Quantum Break. Remedy has since made a point of saying its future now lies making games for all platforms, and Control was announced last year during PlayStation's E3 2018 press conference. What this means for the future, whether new Alan Wake games might follow, or perhaps a port of for other consoles remains to be seen. For the moment, Remedy is building control and has said it wants its new franchise to be just one part of a wider universe it would like to delve into. Following Control's release in late August, of new stories and missions due after. Quote, let's be honest, we're not one of the massive studios around the world, but we're still independent, end quote, control director Michael Mixu Kasarinen. Sorry for butchering your name, Michael told me when I visited Remedy <laughs> earlier this year. Quote, this is our own IP. We decide what's going to happen with it. The smartest thing for us to is to do what we believe in. Be ready to be a bit weird. Be controversial even. Let's try to make a statement, then play it safe. That's part of the exhale after Quantum Break. Control is very much an expression of that, end quote. And there's since been an update on that. Speaking to Eurogamer, Alan Wake developer Remedy has teased the possibility of a multi-platform release for its previously Microsoft-owned hero. Quote, the only thing we want to clarify now that Remedy owns the publishing rights is that we could bring Alan Wake to different platforms if we so choose, end quote, a Remedy spokesperson told Eurogamer this afternoon. Quote, we have nothing to announce for now. We are fully focused on Control releasing on the 27th of August, end quote. Don't expect to hear anything more on Alan Wake until after then, but it sounds as if a PlayStation release is on the cards, and you can read Tom's full article over on Eurogamer. So, yeah, it, it just seems strange that in in the wake, sorry for the play on words there, oh, of Microsoft <laughs> acquiring numerous new IP and studios, that one of the IP they own, they're, they're after releasing true to the to the original. A developer now you know maybe that's because they they didn't think it would fit fit in well with their fans of, of allowing a different developer maybe to to develop a sequel to the alan wake games and they, they for that reason they they didn't think it was an ip worth keeping around but nonetheless it, it just seems strange to me to to let one an, an ip go yeah it is it it's it's almost strange, but Alan Wake, it's it's got its cult following, if that's the right word for it, I suppose, but it's not exactly a, a game-changing IP. And, like, I've never once attempted to play it. It's not really my cup of tea. Um, so, for, for personally, for me, it doesn't really make much difference if it, if it turns back, uh, it turns into a third-person thing for microsoft but you did make a good point there in terms of microsoft have obviously been hoarding um first party studios and stuff like that but 
fact, maybe they just think rather than continue um, or try and um, persuade Remedy to stick stick with them or whatever, or as you mentioned, um, hand Alan Wake over to someone else. Maybe they just think it's not really worth it. It didn't. I'm not sure how much how well it did financially or anything like that, but I can't imagine Alan Wake being some big juggernaut of a of a franchise that's that much of a difference so i i think this really does make sense and um they're talking about making that control game i, I couldn't remember it before i just had a quick google of it and i, I do remember that from uh, sony's thing um last year um again it just doesn't really look like my cup of tea uh, i know they made um, quantum break as well that again that i didn't play that i, I might check that one game pass one day but it's um yeah it's just it's just a bit of a a weird situation but maybe the relationship broke down that much Microsoft just couldn't be bothered dealing with them and just work well you can have your IP I'm not asked yeah it could well be that I mean the the as you said I, I think you described it well that Alan Wake is kind of a, a cult classic I, I did pick it up but I never got around to playing it like many things um but i think there was certainly potential there for the the series kind of to, to grow and expand but at the same time with survival horror games there's only so far they can expand because it is a, a niche ip or a niche sorry a niche genre um in that you know even the the best-selling silent hill or resident evil games there's still like a a drop in the pond in, in comparison to, to how much like uh, a first person sh- popular first person shooter title or a mm. po- popular IP or RPG m- might sell you know it, it is there, there's limits to the genre um, you know I'm, I'm not I'm not um, putting any slide on Resident Evil or Silent Hill. I mean, they, they, they have games that, that have sold 10 million copies. That The recent Resident Evils have been in quite well, but at the same time, as a, it just doesn't compare to, to, to some other games in, in other genres. So um, I, I suppose Microsoft probably looked at it that way and, and thought, you know, look, if you want to make a, silent, or, or a survival horror game, we can go to a new IP. I mean, obviously, they, they seem to be backing the uh, Blair Witch game that's coming out next month, um, which for the moment, I believe, is it's a, an Xbox, ex- well, Xbox and PC exclusive. Um, so, you know, they, they have their, their hands in, in other pots. And um, I, I suppose, as you said, Alan Wake just isn't, isn't that big a deal to them. And as I, as I kind of touched on myself as well, I, I'd assume it's, it's a thought that if they were to allow another studio to, to take a shot at Alan Wake, it probably wouldn't go down too well um, in the eyes of critics and that. I mean, it's one thing taking one of Rare's IPs and letting a, a studio take a crack at it, like with um, Battletoads. But that's be rarer in the the Microsoft stable, and it, it could be looked at. Oh well, they have Rare's approval. Whereas with, with this, you know, n- no one's going to believe for a second that they would have uh, Remedy's uh, approval for that. So I suppose it, it it makes sense to to do this. Um, and it'll be interesting to see obviously what they do with uh, Alan Wake. Like, could we a lot of talk of a PlayStation port here, but. I mean, let's not forget the Alan Wake games were last gen, so 
I don't think you could rule out it coming to Switch potentially as as more and more games seem to to be making their way to to that platform. Yeah, there's stuff about the PlayStation port. I mean, has anyone on PlayStation really been that bothered? I mean, nobody's dying to play. Um, God, I was about to say John John Wickler, uh, Alan Wake. Um, I don't think anyone's really been that bothered. Um, that the bit desperate to play it, and as you meant, as you say, it's it's last gen, and well, really, I mean, it's not, it's, would you really want to play a limited version of a of a well? When was the end of last gen? Ten years ago? No, 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 no. About eight years ago. It's um, yeah, an eight year old game or even longer. It it's it it. Just seems a bit pointless to me, but the Switch is interesting because they can obviously take um, older games, and the Switch just puts a unique experience on any game, doesn't it? Really, whether it's handheld or on the uh, on the TV. Whereas PlayStation, I, I think it'd almost be pointless, especially considering well, PlayStation haven't announced it, but we imagine PS Five and Xbox Two next year. So, I. I yeah, I think that's bigger news for future gens rather than bringing back old games because, well, old games, that was Xbox stick three, four years ago with backwards compatibility. And, yeah, it's, it doesn't really mean much nowadays, I don't think, it's been, until until next gen where there's a limited catalogue and then you can obviously load up old games. But nowadays, I don't think um, an 80-year-old or plus game, it's just it doesn't really warrant news i suppose yeah i suppose really the like we're not even sure if the you know the, despite the, the the comments from remedy it doesn't seem there's anything solid in the plans yeah. here anyway it, it seems they're very much focused on control and you know that's probably the best way to be i mean by by all accounts control is a very promising game there's, there's been some very positive previews for it, so I'm I'm personally looking forward to, to to giving it a try at some point. Um, but obviously it's just it's nice for for Remedy as an independent developer just just to have their IP, their creation back in their catalog, so that when it comes to deciding what the next project will be, you know, Alan Wake two or um, yeah, I think it'll be two because the the second game was kind of a side title almost um, <laughs> would yeah that kind of thing it's nice that they have that option for them because i'm sure they they probably still had ideas um for that that uh ip with it where they wanted to bring it before they obviously fell out with microsoft so um it's just nice for for them to, to have that back there and, and to have that option um and obviously microsoft are happy enough moving ahead with what they have in terms of uh, new IP and studios and the like. Yeah, yeah. We obviously know there's a shed load of stuff planned as well. Maybe Remedies one just fell through the cracks ultimately. Um, So next news thing, it's not as big as that, I suppose, but um, Cuphead DLC, which is obviously a game, again, it's got, it's got like a cult following, and known as one of the hardest games ever, <laughs> which is surprising, but it, it, it kind of an almost important, or a, the right stance, I suppose, from uh, from Cuphead makers. Yeah, so 
Cuphead developers delay DLC, cite desire to make games in a healthier way. And this comes from Nathan Grayson over on Kotaku. And Nathan writes, fans of Tough As Nails animated shoot 'em up Cuphead have been waiting since 2018 for Delicious Last Course, a DLC expansion with a whiff of finality about it. Unfortunately, they're going to have to wait a little longer because it's been delayed to 2020. The developers offered a commitment to quality and a focus on sustainable development practices as reasons. Delicious Last Course will add a new aisle, quote, full of delectable adventures for Cuphead and Mugman to gnaw on, end quote, as well as a new character, Miss Chalice. Originally, the DLC was set to come out sometime this year, but today those plans got turned on their cup-shaped head. Quote, while we initially announced the 2019 release date for the Delicious Last Course expansion, our highest priority is making sure this new adventure meets the meticulous level of care and quality we strive for, end quote, said the game's co-director, Chad Moldenhauer, in a statement about the delay. Quote, we want to be absolutely certain that this next adventure feels at home in the world of Cuphead and is full of moments that surprise and delight players, end quote. Moldenhauer also alluded to new improved game development practices as a reason for the delay. Quote, furthermore, the development of the original game taught us a great deal about the importance of making things in a way that's healthy and sustainable for our team, end quote. If all goes according to plan, this will result in a better game and happier developers. The price, admittedly, is a longer wait, but... Moldenhauer and company hope it will be worth everybody, everybody's while. Quote, this wasn't an easy decision to make, but we're confident it's one that will result in a higher quality experience that's all the sweeter when it does arrive, end quote, he said. And you can read the full story over on Kotaku. So, you know, we, we, we've seen a lot of this lately where companies kind of seem to be delaying things and uh, publicly making statements that you know even if they don't directly use the term crunch that that seemed to be kind of anti-crunch and you know trying to to protect their employees and you know kind of just when a game is ready it's ready and i think it's important that that um more companies take a stand here when, when we've seen kind of the the bad light that was shed on rockstar for example when it came to to red dead redemption 2's development um, I mean, it, it's we, we don't want to, as much as we love these games, we, we don't want to think of the, the creators of these games as as suffering um, when it comes to their development. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the, the most important thing there is uh, we, we discussed this on a much bigger title, as you, as you mentioned, with, uh, with Rockstar and RDR2, and they, they got quite a bit of backlash. Um, I think it was some quotes from... Uh, whistleblower might be the wrong term there but just an insider said it was manic and over the top and um i think the i think it's obviously the problem stems from trying to rush and pressure yourself but i think you just got to stop labeling release dates right too early on in development like because if i think this was i think they said this was meant to come out in 2018 then 2019 for something to get delayed whether it ends up being two years or two years or whatever, something to get delayed two years, it must have been too early to even think about a release date. So I think people just got to... This sounds like I'm blaming the companies, which is completely wrong, but yeah, I think people just got to be less concrete with with, um, with release dates and maybe just say it's coming. Don't put a year or, or whatever on it. Um, but yeah, it, I, think it, I think it's a very good stance that... You don't want people um, risking their health, being overworked. I mean, I imagine it's not the biggest developer as well. So I'm not sure how many staff will be there. But it it, it does I, a game like this, I don't think it needs to be rushed really because I've not played Cuphead. I know it's really difficult, but I imagine it's something that you could probably pick up any time and then get into new content. So I think... I, I think um, it's the right stance, and hopefully we see more people do this sort of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, when you, you consider the build-up to the, the actual original game, Cuphead, I mean, we've we seen it a few years ago, and it was it was massive. I mean, it, it blew up. People loved the, the art style and kind of the, the idea of the difficulty and that kind of thing, and it, it felt like we were waiting years for the game, and it would be kind of like that was the attitude they seemed to take, you know, it, it, in their own words, basically, it was when it's ready, it's ready. They they didn't want to, to put a time stamp on it. And um, as I said, that, that is the, the best approach to, to take. And I, I think more companies could, could benefit from kind of taking a similar approach and, and just rather than trying to... I, I understand a lot more goes into it than, than simply thinking of when it's ready, it's ready because, you know, that there's... Marketing. stakeholders and that kind of thing that are, are putting pressure on ga- games to get out within the, the the fiscal year and like there's a lot of consideration into to release dates more than just when it's ready and mm-hmm. it, it's a shame it has to be that way but um and as you said this is a smaller developer um that they, they probably have the the benefit of of being able to to they've less people that they're they're accountable to um, well, 
in comparison to a, a project from one of the, the, the bigger third-party publishers or indeed first-party. So I, I suppose it you can't make the same argument for, for everyone is, is, is the best way of putting it. But um, nonetheless, it, it is a positive. And I'm, I'm sure based on the first game, when it eventually does come out next year, that a little uh, delicious last course will be another critical hit for, for the developers. And for that reason, I'm sure they can be confident that, that they'll deliver the, the product people want, even if it takes a bit more time. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing. The product's, needs to be good uh, and will be good i imagine um that's the thing as long as it turns out to be good you, i think you can forgive any any delay as long as it's not like as long as it's not like lion head back in the day <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, where it doesn't exist um but last piece of news a bit more positive well we presume positive because the game's not actually out yet but we get they're already at uh, cd project red are already prepping a cyberpunk follow-up yeah, so this comes from Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer. That's another one for Tom Phillips this week. And in what was a short uh, news week, he somehow still managed to pop up twice. Uh, and Tom writes, Cyberpunk 2077 maker CD Product Red has caused fan hearts to flutter with talk of its work on three games in the cyberpunk universe. Speaking to Polish financial site Bankier CDPR exec Adam Kaczynski mentioned the developers' various teams were now spread across the three games, as well as continuing support for Gwent. But a lot of this, most of it, in fact, simply reinforces what we already knew. One of those three cyberpunk games is Cyberpunk 2077, now less than a year away from its 16th of April 2020 launch. Another is the next big AAA game from the studio, which you knew back in March 2018 will be released by the end of 2021. This seems quite soon after the release of Cyberpunk 2077. Perhaps it will slip. What's new here is confirmation this will be another game in the Cyberpunk universe rather than, as the internet might have, have you believed, The Witcher 4. Quote, our next big product will also be in the cyberpunk universe, end quote, CDPR exec Peter Nulebowicz explained. Quote, and we're already working on it and treating it as a really big and innovative project for us, end quote. No word yet, then on a return for Keanu. Finally, CDPR is working on Cyberpunk 2077's multiplayer. We knew that too. It's unclear if this will release standalone or simply be a separate mode playable via 2077, a la GTA Online. The multiplayer team is made up of around 40 people. For reference, CDPR employs around 800 total. Some kind of multiplayer component for Cyberpunk 2077 has been talked of, played up and played down for donkey's years. Back in 2013, CDPR boss Adam Podowski told Eurogamer there would be, quote, multiplayer features, end quote, in the game. Five years later, at E3 2018, CDPR guest designer Patrick Mills told us multiplayer was still being worked on. Quote, we have multiplayer in R&D, but the game we're shipping to you, the game you're going to buy is the single player experience, end quote, Mills said. Quote, at launch, we're concentrating on the single player game, 
That's what we want to give you, end quote. Last month at E3 2019, I checked in with lead guest designer Paul Sasko, who told me plans had not changed and Cyberpunk 2077 will definitely be single player at launch. Quote, yes, 100%, end quote, Sasko said. Quote, we're not really working on multiplayer. Our sole focus is single player. We'll do that, then we'll see. We're not saying no, but we're not saying yes. If something does happen, it will definitely be post-launch, and that's as much as I can say right now, end quote. When contacted for further illumination on all of the above, CDPR declined to comment further. In short then, Cyberpunk 2077 next April, probably a multiplayer thing after, then another big game a couple years down the line. And you can read the full story over on Eurogamer. Now, there's since been an up, somewhat of an update to that story on other sites, which I didn't catch till after I'd already pulled this story, um, where basically CD Projekt Red are somewhat playing down uh, that, that these are standalone alone titles and, and seem to indicate that these projects are, are more likely to be DLC for mm. Cyberpunk 2077. However, as we know, as as two of the... the the minority that that probably finished everything the Witcher Tree has to offer, that you know, when when they do an expansion, they do an expansion, and you know, Blood and Wine, for in particular, could have been a standalone title. It's like a 40, 50 hour game, so I'm I'm sure this Cyberpunk 2077 expansion uh, will will be much the same. So it's it's still exciting to to know that they're they're kind of want to do more in this world and, and that they'll continue with it. And, and we do know that that CD Product Red also have another RPG that's not cyberpunk in the works. So we could still get a new Witcher title somewhere in the future. Um, but nonetheless, whatever they're working on, my attitude is anything more from, from CD Product is, is something to be excited about. What's your take, Guy? I'm going to play it. Whatever the hell it is, I'm going to play all of it. <laughs> That's the main takeaway for me. Um, yeah, Cyberpunk, we we know it's going to be good. We, we just do. <laughs> Even if it's like a bit disappointing, it's still going to be good. <laughs> it's still going to be one of the best games of the year. It just is. Um, and and the fact that um, C- CD Projekt Red are, are working on other stuff, and it's not really a surprise, but it's always nice to hear. And, and if it is, if it's a big ass DLC, lovely. I mean, I'll probably end up replaying the whole game like I did for Witcher, um, if I don't get an ending or something I don't like. But yeah, I'll 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 download it. I'll pay it. The interesting thing is, obviously, this comes out in April, twenty twenty. And then if the DLC comes out like two years later or whatever, or a year later or whatever, we'll be on next gen. So that means we have to rebuy it. Or do we have to or would we have to keep our PlayStation 4s and Xboxes kicking about? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. there's been a lot of kind of talk on that, and obviously a lot of people expect that um with the the new gen these kind of games and i think it would have to really when you look at the games that are slated for uh spring next year with Mm. with cyberpunk avengers watchdogs and um final fantasy 7 as well and the last of us 2 allegedly um you know (laughs) we're talking some of the 
massive, some of the biggest titles of the gen uh, coming right at the end of it. So I think that they're going to straddle the, the generations and I don't think it, I don't think people will be happy if that's in the form of let's re-release them six months later for 60 quid again. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have said it's it's more likely to be like almost like an Xbox One X thing that like you put it in your Xbox One X, you get a patch. Yeah. That that kind of soups it up to be Xbox One X um, compatible and, and get the benefits of that. So uh, I think we're more likely to see something like this. And I hope... I hope we are. Like, I, I don't want to be shelling out 60 quid for, and when I say 60 quid, I, of course, mean Euro people are like, who pays 60 pound for their games? Um, for things like Cyberpunk and Final Fantasy and, and uh, indeed The Last of Us, which will be games I will get at launch. And then to think if I want to play them at a better res and that kind of thing, six months down the line, I'd have to buy them again. Like, that's, I don't think that's realistic. So I'm sure they'll they'll come up with with some kind of solution here, and I, I I'm sure there won't be any kind of mess when it comes to to downloading your DLC for Cyberpunk, even if you did buy the game on last gen. Technically, yeah, I'm sure they'll figure it out. And even if it's two years later, anyway, I, I imagine it'll probably go down in price as well. And obviously, Project Red has. A good relationship with Xbox, seemingly. I think Witcher 3 was done on Xbox's stage. Maybe Game Pass for not 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 twenty seventy seven, um, but maybe Witcher and stuff goes into Game Pass quite late on in in this in this gen. It's kind of like a hello, <laughs> come play us eventually. But yeah, in terms of the other news, what whatever they're working on, um. Obviously, there's been a decent amount about 2077. We obviously got the big-ass gameplay demo. Um, we got Keanu. Uh, we've got loads of cinematic stuff. Um, do, you, do you think that would um, translate quite well? I know it's a tough question, and we haven't touched it, but it, it, would you think it would translate quite well into multiplayer if that's one of the things I've speculated on? Um, that's a good, a good point. I I. I'd wonder what kind of form the multiplayer would take. Like, are we are we talking, you know, kind of a, a competitive FPS mode, or or are we talking more of a kind of games as a, as a service, kind of co-op mm. Destiny type experience almost? Um, I, I think the latter probably makes more sense in this yeah. um, uh, climate, and that it could be possibly what we're seeing, and and that's something I, I would definitely welcome um you know I, I think kind of that's a, a market you can only have so many games and, and series in it like it's it's not i don't think it, it it's open to to kind of the saturation that some other genres can be um but i, I think one team or or kind of series to enter the the frame for that that i would welcome would be cd product because they are a, a top-notch developer and you know they're they're also a smart when it comes to, to business decisions so I don't think they'd lightly make a decision like that to, to enter that that space um, but I'm glad that the focus for now is the, the single player I, mm -hmm. I don't like when uh, teams spread themselves too thin trying to tick all the boxes and, and we can see what happens there when it doesn't go to plan but obviously Anthem you know when they, they tried to make this this brilliant mashup of multiplayer and uh, the, the bungee single player experience and 
we kind of lost on both fronts there and and you know we we didn't get the the bungee experience that we're used to and that would be a real shame if you know with the witcher you what an awesome game still my game of the generation thinking it's yours as well <laughs> um, from, from what i know <laughs> um to lose that you know if, if they they kind of spread themselves too thin on on cyberpunk and and tried to, to give half their focus to multiplayer would be a real shame so i'm, I'm glad that's not the case yeah i, I like the uh, games of a service cha- um, shout um the author of the article obviously put a gta online question mark considering the world it's in that can't possibly make sense as a big ass playground for people to murder each other in um just hopefully it doesn't ultimately end up as a battle royale <laughs> which is the way <laughs> hopefully it, uh, it'll probably be um but yeah, maybe we get some space Gwent or future Gwent. It's got all of a card game. It's got all of a card game. Uh, maybe it's just Gwent. It's, it stayed in stayed in the universe. Um, but yeah, that that's the end of the news. Um, so, Carl, this was kind of your idea. So, why don't you explain it, and then we'll kind of get into my gaming history. Yeah. So, obviously, our long term listeners will remember early on when when we revived the show we we went through our our top 10 games which was a bit of an insight into to kind of our gaming history and, and what kind of shaped our our tastes and games and that kind of thing um but you know from guy and i's point of view that was a, a major headache you know don't don't put yourself under pressure to name your top 10 games because you realize you've you've played hundreds maybe even thousands of games over the years and you love a lot of them and kind of narrowing it down to, to just 10 is 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 painful um so but i thought we, we'd kind of take a, a looser look at, at each other's kind of history and kind of how we came to to love video games and the the kind of video games we like and, and that kind of thing and and kind of where we lay in the various console wars over the years and I just thought it'd be kind of a fun little little insight to, to take. So um, I, I thought we'd, we'd start with yours today, Guy, and then hopefully, we'll say tentatively next week, but knowing us, it'll probably be two or three weeks. In, in the future, we'll do Carl's. <laughs> Especially with the lack of news at the moment. You can't really blame us. There's not as much to discuss. Um, but when when there's sufficient news to, to cover as well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get it done. But uh, th- this week, we'll, we'll start with guys, you know, start at the very start his first experience with a video game and kind of build build on through the years there up on up until the the modern times right um so i'll get i'll get us started um with my first console which was a sega mega drive um just for reference i was born in 1994 so i'm 25 now um so i don't know how i obviously very very young so i don't know how i got a mega drive but there was one there uh only game i can remember playing echo the dolphin and it was a twat <laughs> i remember it being a twat i can't remember much else but yeah echo the dolphin um i don't know what i, I, I i've always had a love for sonic so there must be something in there where i've played sonic but i can't remember playing it at my house my um mate who lives lived on the same road as me uh he also had one uh i think we played tails and sonic there as well 
Um, I think play crappy football games as well. I can't remember the name of them. But yeah, Sega Mega Drive was was my first console experience. I won't say it's my first console because I doubt I I doubt my parents would have given me that at such a young age. But yeah, um, Echo the Dolphin and Sega Mega Drive was uh, was my first one. I, I think it's long long term established my relationship with Nintendo's really non-existent before the Switch. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was Team Sega when I was a kid. You you've just lost us like half half our half our listeners there, guy, no. and, and by siding with the the losing side in, in the view of many. It's a bloody it's a it's a recurring theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh, and so obviously that that was kind of early on when you were quite quite young and mm-hmm. and barely cognizant of kind of video games. Um, I'm assuming based on what you've said, like, do you have any older siblings? Is that possibly like an older brother's console or? Um, yeah, my, my older brother, he's two years older than me, so he's 27. Um, I can't ever remember him playing the Sega, but I think my dad used to play a bit more when I was younger. But my brother, to kind of lead on to the next console, me and him shared, or the family kind of shared a PlayStation 1. Um, so my brother had that and yeah, the PlayStation one was probably the first console I can remember a bit better rather than just one game. Um, so yeah, I think we had a family PlayStation one and that's where playing stuff like Crash Bandicoot, that's where the love of that stemmed from, um, WWE games were quite big then, uh, or WWF as it was back then. Um... I'm trying to rack my brain for PlayStation One games. Um, what year are we talking here? Ooh, when you can kind of first recall the, the must, PlayStation One? Must be the really late nineties. Say if I uh, say if I was playing Sega about ninety eight, maybe PlayStation was ninety nine two thousand ish. I'm not sure when the PlayStation Two came out. That the PlayStation Two came in in two thousand and one, so you would have been yeah. right at the end of yeah, the, yeah. the PlayStation One's life life cycle. And mm. and a Final favorite Fantasy game for VII. the Final Fantasy Seven PlayStation One just dawned on me. That was a PlayStation One game, I believe, and I love that game. You're actually playing that at the moment, aren't you? Yes, I am. Same graphics, or a little bit better graphics, but it's just it's. It was at such a young age, you get a game that has three discs, four discs, and it's just kind of like astonished, just kind of scared how, how big a game could be. And and I've, I've put this in our, in our WhatsApp group a couple of times, and other, a couple of my other mates who are big Final Fantasy fans, I'm like, I thought I was near the end of the game. And then it popped up, you finished disc one content, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just... I, I can't remember anything about that as a kid. I remember, if people haven't played Final Fantasy VII, this might be a bit of a blur, but it, I, I remember finishing the Midgar stuff. I knew... um I can't remember a bloody name. I remember Thingy died. I'm going to go with Thingy. So if anyone wants to play Final Fantasy VII, Thingy dies. Um, uh, I, I knew she died, but I can't remember how she died when I played it as a kid. But I've, I've just beat that on the Xbox now. Um, so yeah, Final Fantasy was probably my first memory of uh, of PlayStation, as well as Crash Bandicoot. Um, but Crash Bandicoot kind of all, all, all consoles, really. Um, 
And then PlayStation 2 was kind of, again, it was a shared thing. And PlayStation 2, um, again, it's a strange one, PlayStation 2, because I, I just really remember playing um, WWF games. I'm, I'm sure you're in a similar boat with me. Here comes the pain. Um, shut your mouth. Um, I think we had Smack, just Smackdown, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, not... so it was just bring it was the first one That's on the a... PS2. Then yeah. you had um, here comes Spin was the fifth. So what was the fourth? <laughs> They're gonna rack my brain here. I'll have to Google this one. But uh, so which one do you recall kind of coming in on? I think. It's way, I obviously you can't remember names. It's the one where you could run round backstage and then you just go around talking to people and then all of a sudden the Undertaker wants to fight you <laughs> for some reason. I think it was just bring it. I might be. I remember here comes the pain more, but I think uh, it was just bring it. Shut your mouth was the the fourth one. Right. Um. Yeah, and then obviously know your role and the original SmackDown. Then we're on PS One. Hmm. Hmm. It's um, I, like I I still I still watch it now and stuff like that. But it's just it's obviously not as good. Um, but yeah, that 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 was my main takeaway from the PlayStation Two because I did kind I did share it with my brother, and I think the PlayStation Two was more his, and I got and must be one of the only people I got the original Xbox. Um, so yeah. My love of Xbox and being in second place, or probably even worse than second place with the original Xbox. Um, um, was that like your first personal console? console? Yeah, yeah. So that that's obviously something special. Mm. And I mean, did you have? Were you cognizant of that the Xbox was incoming? Was this something that you kind of seen on TV and was looking forward to it or you know what what was the the story there the build up to it and and when did you actually get it was a birthday christmas i think it was i'm pretty sure it was christmas cuz i remember talking to my dad about this and he was like it was a lot of money for a young kid but i think he said he he, he was being a bell end in amsterdam and my mum was angry at him so i was like i can't really not get him the present now that i've done something stupid so i ended up getting an xbox it, i think it was for christmas I'm not sure why I wanted an Xbox. I think it just because, well, my brother's a bit of a dickhead, so I think I wanted something different. Um, it's just, yeah, I, if anyone's listened to AI Scouted and stuff like that, I know it kind of crossed over here. He's the one who broke the oven. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, I think I just wanted to be different from my brother, and, and, and I, I remember, we well, now looking back, we know Microsoft's, um, marketing campaigns especially back in um 360 and, and original days they were a lot different they were a lot more i think they were trying to appeal to a younger audience and kind of be a bit more out there um I can't, i'm not sure how to put this but yeah they just i think microsoft really just try to be different and i can't i must have kind of um just kind of responded to that quite well so yeah i got the xbox i got the big ass duke controller which is a stuff of myths i'm pretty sure there's one still in my house somewhere because i I imagine it's a weapon i can use to fight off robbers and stuff as a myth (laughs) (laughs) so that was brilliant um what was your yeah i was just i think you've 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 
taking the words out of my mind. Your your first the the game you you got with it. Ooh, it must have been Halo. Yes, it was Halo. Halo Combat Evolved. Yeah, Combat Evolved, because I remember putting it on. I yes, I remember putting it on at Christmas time, and my gra- my grandparents at the time asked what it's about. And like it's about killing space aliens and stuff, and like oh okay, and I was like yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I must have been like tenish, probably a bit younger, smidge younger. Uh, no, probably not tenish. Actually, that's about right. Um, <laughs> it's like is that right to be playing that? Like yeah, <laughs> space aliens, I'm killing stuff. <laughs> it's just oh yeah, just. I mean, we we've talked we've talked about on E3 and stuff how Halo is um, it's it's not what it used to be. The last two have not been what it's used to, and that we're kind of excited about um, the new one as well. I think you're kind of in a similar boat with me with a long-standing relationship yeah. with Halo, and I think this is where it stemmed from. Um, my first console, the my first real, my own real game. Um, and it, it, it's just, it was just, um, it, that's why, I think that's why it's special to me. I think the people who have grew up with Xbox, I think that's why Halo's a special thing. It, Halo 4 and 5 can be as shit as the one. I'll buy it, I'll buy it. I'll buy the new one. Could be, could have the worst reviews ever. I'll buy it. I mean, I bought Anthem, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Halo's got a real special place. I'm not sure if Gears of War was out on launch, but I loved Gears of War 1. Similar, similar story with Halo, but Gears of War one, and, two, and add two onto this as well. They're two of the most special games, especially at that time. They're two of the most special games ever, for me. Like Gears of War one is just for for what it was at the age, what it was at the time. That must be one of the best exclusives in that time period for me. It's such a good game. So obviously we're we're moving on to the the 360 there. So I think you're you're very much establishing your place here as a yep. an Xbox kid, um, which is is interesting. I suppose that's a you know obviously you're four years younger than I am, so you're in that just at the right age slot where you could have properly come into it at that that point where it was Xbox versus GameCube versus PlayStation. Mm. And you got to make that choice, whereas for me, I, I suppose the the first choice I would have had was was PS One or or N sixty four really, uh, or Sega Saturn. But I I thought they were a myth until I grew older and finally <laughs> seeing one in the store because you know no one I knew had a Sega Saturn. But um, so you 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 very much just put placed your flag in the the Microsoft camp and. Obviously, natural progression from the Xbox to the 360. And I mean, when did you get your 360, and and what kind of game did did you get at launch with the 360? Um, I think if I remember correctly, the 360 came out at a weird time. I think it came out in like spring or something like that. And I, f- I might it be- was December was it? 2005 for okay. us in in Europe, which is a strange time. Usually, yeah. kind of it's October, November, so people get a chance to get them. But that's right up on top of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Parents weren't picking that up for Christmas. Yeah. They'd they'd have long had their Christmas pre- presents picked up. So I think I got mine in 2007. If that came out in six, because I remember one of my mates coming into school. His birthday, it was kind of the same as mine. It was like April. 
mine's nineteenth, so it was around there. He got one on there because I remember him, I, for some reason he brought his headset into school. For, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, <he was> making <laughs> shitty little joke, and I think I got I got mine in the um, Christmas of that year, um, and the first few games I got with that, I got Oblivion on launch. And anyone who listened to that podcast you talked about in like the intro bit where we talked about our favourite games, Oblivion was my number one, and still is. Nothing's changing that. Um, I hated Oblivion at the start, because I was... like, It's not a game built for a middling teenager, because all, all at that time I was pissed about with games and stuff like that. Um, and... I eventually, I eventually went back on it. I got, I couldn't even get out the fucking sewers, man. <laughs> the starting bit. And <laughs> a then lot I, of people fall yeah, on that hurdle. Yeah, uh, just, just me and other ten-year-old kids <laughs> can't be asked playing it. And then I eventually found out you could change the difficulty. Oh my god, I'm so glad I went back to that game because Oblivion is so fucking special to me, man. I love that game so much, and yeah. I, I just can't believe looking back. I, I didn't like it at the start. And then, obviously, I must have finished it a good three, three or four times by now. It's probably due a replay on that, actually. Um, So, yeah, Oblivion's the first one I can remember. There was other stuff I got as well. Um, But I was... Te- Sorry, you go. You go. Yeah, I was just going to say, if we're talking based on the time frame you've, you've given me there, we're, we're talking Christmas 2007... Um, I know Halo 3 would have been out. I think <laughs> Halo 3 came out that fall. So uh, was was Halo 3 another one of the titles that you picked up quite early on? <laughs> I'll tell you a story about this. <laughs> um, my dad pre-ordered Halo 3, but he got the collector's edition thing. Um, so he pre-ordered that, and it obviously came when Halo came out. Halo 3 came out. And he said, he said to me, the day I obviously before school he said that's for christmas don't open it that didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) so i was sat there um he came in from work and i was like yeah this happened by accident (laughs) i already had i already like three mates around playing halo like yes it's for class yeah it's great so i'm just it's just just what a what a game and then strangely instead of punishing me i think my dad ended up getting me the bioshock collector's edition instead and i think on that pod again i i discussed my my love for bioshock one and um infinite i didn't really i didn't play two um so yeah that was that was a nice shock um as well so yeah it's a it's a strange one but with um with um, Xbox 360 came Xbox Live as well. And again, this is kind of a quite funny story. Um, my first real experience of Xbox Live, because it took a little, it, it was a bit of a bugger on the setup at the start, because internet back then was a bit crappy. You had to get, if, if, if your wireless wasn't very good, I think, no, I think on free, the um original 360s you needed like a wireless dongle thing in the back and we didn't have that so instead of that i got a big ass ethernet cable that went through the whole house (laughs) um but the first experience i had on um xbox live was rainbow six vegas it must have been two by then 
Um, so I was playing, me and my mate were playing, probably a day or two. Um, and then we get into a lobby, in, this is before party chat and stuff like that, so it was in game chat. Um, and then there's a kid, there's a kid mouthing off to me with his mates, and he's got one of these names, um, like one of those <laughs> get like uh, game battles names, like silent, uh, bullets and stuff like that, with like all X's and Z's <laughs> all over the place. And I think it was, I think it was them, them two v me. I don't know how it ended up in a lobby like that, but I was obviously young and a bit of a twat mouthing off to people, and they were doing vice versa. I was get I was killing one of them, but one of them was really good, and it turned out to be my mate from school <laughs> who was in the <laughs> lobby with me, and he he was like he was like one of I think he ended up being one of the like better kids and one of the better clans in Europe for Rainbow because he played it all the time. Um, I might have actually strange. played against him at some point in yeah. that case because I was quite competitive on Rainbow Six. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember going into school and like, oh, this twat, I can't remember what it was, it was bullet, I'll, I'll call it Bullets. Now, this twat Bullets was mouthing off to me, and then my other mate at school went, that's Jordan. I was like, nah. <laughs> and I went over and said, is that your game with that? Yeah, that's me. Mine, mine was Mr. Bean at the time, and it still is after an iteration of loads of shitty names. Uh, oh, yeah, mine's Mr. Bean. I was like, oh, you are a twat. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you are as well. So that, that was quite funny. Um, so, yeah, Rainbow was <clears throat> probably my first um, Xbox Live experience. But in, in terms of the Xbox Live game, I think this just changed the whole online gaming thing as a whole was COD 4, or Modern Warfare 1, which is obviously getting rebooted um, this year. But yeah, COD 4 was was the game that... It's weird saying it probably took me from a casual gamer into what I am now. And it's weird saying that about COD, because now you think of COD as the ultimate casual gaming, but COD 4 was just... It's something. It's an. It's almost an addiction, <laughs> isn't it? It's a, when when I was that age and younger, COD just kind of grabs you in a way that it didn't. Um, but it's all in this time. Um, I was playing probably playing World of Warcraft as well. Um, which I, I'm not a bigger lover of PC gaming now, but World of Warcraft. Um, whenever I was playing that, is that that. An MMORPG, I think it, it, it's still king now. But it, like, back then, it probably wasn't my cup of tea. But I went around one of my mates' house. He played. I was like, "Yeah, this is for, this is for me. This is for me." And just, that that's a real game that I probably wouldn't even considered for my best games list. But um, World of Warcraft is just it, it's just something very different, isn't it? Really. It, it's just different to everything. And I ha- I also had a Game Boy Advanced. I I was one of them. I didn't have a Game Boy. I had a Game Boy Advanced, which is still next to me in the drawer, literally to my right. And I've still got Pokemon Red, Silver, uh, and loads of other stuff there. But yeah, Pokemon uh, on my Game Boy Advance as well. That was probably a lot earlier than this. But yeah, COD 4 was probably the biggest and best game of the Xbox 360, especially online days. Um, but yeah. That that's a revelation for me. I didn't know you were a, a World of Warcraft head. I mean, how many years did you play World of Warcraft for? Oh, it must have been two. Or, it's weird. It must have been two or three, but I never got anywhere near the max level. 
I think I always just ended up restarting. <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> that, my next question was going to be what what was your race and, and class, but I'm assuming then you had multiple no. races and classes. I had a main. My main was a Tauran hunter called Puds. I don't <laughs> what a name. P U double D Striking fear <laughs> yeah. into all his enemies. Yeah. P U double D Z. And I had a, <laughs> I had one of them little shitty red raptors that were outside uh the Orc City Orgrama, I think it was called. Called Mini Me, all one word. <laughs> uh, so Pods and Mini Me. Yes, obviously. Uh that's how it worked. Um so that that was my main. Uh, and I think that that's kind of the one that was like my overall revert back to. I think I got around to about level 55, 60. I think this was when like the level cap was 70, 80. Uh, I don't know what it is nowadays. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was my main one. Just, I thing is, I used to be one of them weirdos who bought like gold. So I was probably just one who just spent most of my time at the auction house pissing about. Um, uh, and I, I like to, I tried running people through guilds and, uh, or, instances i should say and stuff like that so i just tried helping people really rather than pissing off on my own and doing stuff so i think that, that that was why i got held back i was too i was too lovely to people and my clan was called or my guild i should say was called death before breakfast and i spelt breakfast wrong which is annoying me it still annoys me to this day <laughs> <laughs> I I I I can't get around spelling mistakes. I'm I'm sorry. I, I would I wouldn't have been a member had I played exactly. World of Warcraft. Yeah. I think I played World of Warcraft for all of twenty minutes. I made like a dwarf and I was running around. And I was kind of like, I can't get into this, and I just jumped jumped right off. But I can appreciate MMOs and and kind of what mm-hmm. they what they do they did. Um. I mean, I th- I think. Uh, I, I did I did dabble with kind of RuneScape and um, oh, RuneScape. What a game. Guild Wars two and a few few different things like that over the years. RuneScape but, uh, was the first one like that. That was just that was that might you might be in secondary school for you, but like primary school and start of secondary school for me it was like MSN RuneScape together <laughs> that was the way forward for me there uh you chat to your mates and then you just call around calling everyone a twat on runescape <laughs> yeah runescape was uh it was, it was i never played beyond the free mode oh, no, my friends yeah. were both paid uh paid players for a my while mate, but my uh, mate was a member in his first year of uni because he didn't take his xbox over so he played runescape for some reason <laughs> uh, it was very strange but um yeah, before we get on to Xbox One, um, I mean Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty is my it's my favorite console. It, it, it's better, like the the one shit compared to the Three Hundred and Sixty. I think most people would agree with that. So, um, I've talked about my love of Mass Effect games um, quite a lot on these pods. Went to HMV in Middlesbrough, which is like a 15, 10 minute, 10, 15 minute car drive or twenty minute train. For me, we had the day out in HMV. I can't remember what film we went to go see, but getting the HMV, go straight to the Xbox section on sale. Mass Effect One, Mass Effect Two, got them for about two pound each, two pound fifty each. I didn't sleep that weekend. <laughs> didn't sleep. Completely. I don't blame you. Yeah. That's quite a deal as well. Yeah, Four quid for those two games. And it was just, I think it was the year before three came out. I can't remember what year it was, but it was. I, I just. Jesus, my, my mate did the same, 
and he didn't play one. Like, I think he started it, but one, if anyone else has played it, it's quite dated. And the loading screens were kind of like when you were in an elevator or a lift, whatever side of the continent, side of the planet you're on. Uh, but when you're in a lift, it takes like a good minute. <laughs> it was quite strange. But yeah, it was, um, that was a hell of a weekend because Mass Effect 1, albeit it's really aged badly now, that's that started it. But Mass Effect 2 is almost, I think it is genuinely perfection in storytelling and character development for me. Like Mass Effect 3 was effectively a better game than 2, but the story obviously finished so shitly. Um, but yeah, two, Mass Effect 2 is just perfection in storytelling um, for me in that in that in that um, era, and um, this is kind of the end of the 360 gen, I believe. Um, I think RDR1 uh, came out when I was um, revi- <laughs> when I was revising for GCSEs in year 11. Um, I took PE, and if anyone who's seen what I'd actually look like, probably a bit of a surprise, because I'm, I'm chubby, <laughs> um, that's put it politely, but I did PE because the way it was split up, you had to do like PE or art or other crap like that. So why why wouldn't you do it? Um, so yeah, I did that, and <laughs> you had to revise for the uh, actual exam, not like just the running about and all that jazz. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen when I saw <laughs> RDR was on my mat when I went home. So I ended up skipping like revision sessions <laughs> sessions for uh, my PE exam to play Red Dead. Worth it. Got a D. Got a DNP. Was worth it. <laughs> uh, I I can't judge you. I I once left an English exam early because I knew that Halo Two had arrived at my friend's house. So, um, <laughs> I can I can relate. Uh yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the last, the real last goodbye to the three sixty. Is probably GTA or GTA Online if you want to split it like that because. I think GTA Online was kind of the last big thing. And then I think it took like a year for GTA 5 to go back to the current, this current gen, but next gen at that time. Um, so it took like a year for GTA to come back and then a little longer for uh, um, Online to go on Xbox One and PS- PlayStation 4. So yeah, that, I think GTA was probably the finishing touch of that, um, of, uh, of that gen. What a way to go out. Absolutely. And of course then that that runs us into the uh to the current gen with the and of course if if it's not already established, uh you're very much in the, the Microsoft camp. So uh an Xbox One was obviously the, the obvious uh, inclusion. Mind you, you you've kind of spread your rings a, a little mm-hmm. bit in this gen as as we'll touch on, but was the Xbox One a, a day one buy for you? Did, did you get it on the launch of the console? I did, yeah. Because I think, um, I think I was playing Cod Ghosts around my mates. My, um, I think it was the first year of uni when Xbox One came out for me. Um, that might be wrong, but I was playing um, Cod Ghosts around my mates on. I think he had it on his three sixty. And I got it, again, this is kind of similar to Halo, I got it on the first day, I got Xbox One 
launch, I can't remember what it was called, I think it was just launch day thing. And the, the only game I had for it was COD Ghosts, but it, was, it wasn't it was on a disc, you got like a digital um, piece of plastic and you put the code in and stuff like that. So for like a month and a half, or maybe two months, like whenever Xbox One came out, I only could play get, uh, COD Ghosts. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I was playing. I was playing COD Ghost. I really, I have a soft spot for COD Ghost actually because of that. Um, but on that first Christmas, I remember getting Rise, Son of Ro- I think it was Rise Son of Rome, and that's the full title Rise, which is it's a very pretty game. But looking back now, it's probably a bit disappointing because I, I imagine it had quite a bit of hype and stuff like that. But it was a really beautiful game. But it was only like. Eight to twelve hours long, if that, and it was it was really fun. But I imagine it failed to deliver on the promises, which is quite a bit of the story for Xbox One, I suppose. Yeah, no, I, I get. Obviously, I only as we we talked about recent shows. I recently played through Rise, so I can see where you're coming from. But it, it is something to look at, and and you can enjoy the the combat. But in terms of that real gripping kind of title and especially on a launch title you expect something special to, to kind of really sell the console it didn't really take that box unfortunately and i mean what have crytek done since rise actually it's I have no idea um was there a crisis i don't think there has been a crisis of the i don't think there has no i don't think so um picked up by thq uh, nordic and it, then it went under or something i can't remember no, they're they're still about. Um, they what have they done since Rise? They have done a an iOS game. They have done the oh yes, that's it. They they're kind of done VR stuff. They have done the climb. Oh, okay. They have done Robinson the Journey, and they are now working on Hunt Showdown, which I don't uh, know too much about. I know that. Yeah, it's it's kind of like setting a. I don't know if it's the future or the past, but it's kind of like in a dystopian past where it's like bounty hunters against each other. So I think you hunt, you hunt a monster and then you grab like its head or whatever the hell you need to collect a bounty. And then you and your team have got to take it back from where you hunt a monster into town, I think. I might be getting this com- confused with a different game, but you've got to take it into a, into a town and then other people have got to try and kill you to steal the bounty. It, it, looked, quite a, it looked quite a good um, concept. Uh, actually, yeah, it looks like it's actually coming out next month. So, I think it was to, on um, a pre game preview on on Xbox. So, if it's out of that, it must have been doing okay. Yeah, it's coming to Xbox One and Microsoft Windows first. It's uh, coming to PS4 later in the year. Um, so that's one to watch. I wasn't even aware of that. Actually, must must check it out. Um. Certainly. So there, Crytek are still around. Let Let's be glad. Rise Son of Rome did not kill Crytek. They've They've yeah. just diversified into VR and such. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it's a shame that it, it didn't really. When you you consider how ambitious that the crisis, especially the first Crisis game, where was that um, that Rise didn't quite take that box. But um, I mean, and, and then moving on, kind of post kind of the, the launch window um, as kind of more games started to, to uh, release kind of what, what stands out to you and kind of the, the first couple of years of the Xbox One um, 
I've got two main ones before the big one. Um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. I know this was a launch title, but I think I ended up getting like in springtime because um, one of my mates got it, and I was like, is it any good? Yeah, it's clear. Okay, I'll get it. <laughs> so uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, uh, I know that was on um, 360 and PS3 as well, um, but that is that for me is still the best um assassin's creed game uh, the two new ones i know they're trying to go off in a different direction but black flag is just it's a fit i think i probably like it more because it kind of moved away from the whole assassin stuff like in a big way <laughs> so i i love black flag and just the pirate stuff and that's why i'm looking forward to skull and bones so much i think Ubers are bastards <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um probably um oh is it my favorite of this gen Oh, screw it, I'm going to say it's my favourite. Um, no, second favourite. Uh, or third favourite. Your third favourite. Um, I forgot. I forgot the Witcher was on this chat. But third favourite um, <clears throat> is a Xbox exclusive that I can't remember having a lot of fanfare or a lot of big expectations considering that it was a first-person shooter game and I think it was coming out at the same time as... Cod obviously in Battlefield and, and all that jazz um, was Titanfall. That game was amazing. I think that was like the last first person shooter game that I almost loved. Like I talked, I talked about my love for COD Four, love COD Five, love COD Six. But since then, there's not really much that's jumped out at me. And Titanfall was probably that the thing that just clicked with me so much to kind of go. Yeah, this is what first-person shooters should be about. It's ju- it's simply just fun. Adding in the big-ass mech suits to the Titans, it's just, yeah, this is, this is perfect. I love Titanfall 2, but Titanfall 1 was the, was the one that clicked the magic back in. So, yeah, Titanfall 1 was a special, special game. Um, But after that, because at this time I, I was in uni, my uni mates obviously pretty much played it every night. I played Xbox every night. So Titanfall was probably the first step of kind of becoming like lifelong mates with them. Um but after that <laughs> Destiny One. Like Destiny One came out with huge expectations and it probably disappointed on their expectations. But what it delivered for me at the perfect time in my life where you need it wasn't like exam season or or I did journalism, so like your project season, whatever the hell I'd call it there. Um it just it just allowed so many people to enjoy it because like doing the weekly raid, having free characters as as what I was then, uh, so many things to do. You could do the raid three times a week and it, it wouldn't get it wouldn't get repetitive. And I had one mate in my class from uni, then he introduced me to his housemate. Um, and then he introduced someone that he, because he lives in Sheffield, he introduced me from someone he lives in Sheffield with, then someone he worked with at a local game, and then we kind of game this big group where we just used to raid every week. It was, um, uh, it was, it was just, it was such a perfect time. I think that was the perfect game to, to, to have, let you have that many people just enjoy it. And even though, Destiny One, I mean, Vault of Glass was was proper basic bitch, but it was just so fun. And then um, 
Oh, the dark. I think the dark below was the second one. Um, and that that was that was really good. Um, and yeah, I, I, the the first two expansions were just um just perfect for me really, in that. And um, yeah, I I know you've played a bit of Destiny as well. Did, you, did well, obviously getting your game history on the next show, but Destiny one have a similar relationship with you, I suppose. Is the right word? Yeah, Destiny one was um my first PS4 game. I got my PS4 was the the Destiny bundle, the the Snow White um PlayStation four with uh, Destiny. Um, I picked it up on launch day but i you know similar to yourself i studied media and therefore was more about projects than assignments but happened i had a lot of assignments due the the time destiny came out so i barely got to play week one and my friends all got like a good good few levels ahead of me but i i definitely caught up once i handed in all my assignments and similar to yourself between kind of people i knew already and then people we kind of pick up on destiny websites or through mutual friends and that kind of thing we, we got kind of an extended raiding group together so that we always had people available to, to raid and get the, the three raids in a week and it was it was massive up until kind of the, the the dark below kind of a few weeks after that kind of it it seemed to have ran its course and we we kind of jumped off before the the later expansions but nonetheless like it was a uh, massive massive game so i can i can definitely relate on that one yeah absolutely absolutely and then i think it was 2015 might be wrong on the year but i think it was like april or may i i had some money saved up so i got three games in one week three games one week all on disc so it must have been like 40 to 50 quid um got elder scrolls online Arkham Knight, Witcher 3. Have you ever heard me talk about the other two? No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Last one I played was the Witcher 3. The main one I wanted was Arkham Knight, because I talked to, I've, I've talked about my love of Arkham City. I think that's the best one myself. Arkham Knight, albeit good, it was better than the what the proper Warner Brothers one that I can't remember. Um, Origins, yeah, the Origins. Um, I think um, it was better than that, but it was still a bit not as good. Um, Elder Scrolls Online, I really enjoy, and it's probably the only MMO I've played um, in a long while because um, I think it it translated quite well to it um, to console. So I played that for a little bit, and then all of a sudden. I put The Witcher in and I was like, oh, shit. Life's fucked. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how many hours I've got in that. I mean, I'll, I'll try and quickly look up on, uh, on my phone whilst I'm speaking how much I've played The Witcher 3. But The Witcher 3, it, it's simply the... It's just the best game on this gen. Um, we mentioned it earlier. It just is. and it's God of War, brilliant. Um, RDR two brilliant, but not just now, just nothing's topping the Witcher three at all, really. Um, it's just it's just a perfect game. I mean, well, I'd say perfect, but it's got it's got some of its issues. I mean, some of the combat's a bit basic, but bit bitch. But in terms of creating the world, I know RDR's kind of got the best interactive world now. But just at that time, there was nothing anywhere near 
um, The Witcher 3, and it's just just such a good game. And I've, I think um, this year uh, I finally finished the, the Big Boy DLC. I did the uh, Heart of Stone at the end of last year, and I did Blood and Wine this year. So I've, I've finally done it justice, and uh, I've played 259 hours on The Witcher 3. <laughs> um, there you go. That's, Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that, that's third on my friends list. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've played quite a lot of that game, considering it's not really too much you can do differently on a on a uh, on a second playthrough. But I I don't do bell end playthroughs where <laughs> you're just a dick to everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's such a good game. It, it it's just the game of this gen. Yeah, no, it really was. It's a massive game and i mean obviously it's, it's gonna have some some competition now that when um cd cd product red obviously are, are going to be rivaling themselves with cyberpunk and and of course the last of us 2 is, is set to be massive so um it it may not end the generation as as the oh. best game but it, it's certainly there for me much like yourself at the moment and um and I mean, obviously, that that kind of uh, brings us up to, to to kind of recent games and kind of the, the games we we've spent the, the past year or so discussing. Um, so I think it's 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 interesting. Like I, I did the, the kind of contrast there with kind of just it's only four years between us, but obviously that led to you kind of coming in at a, a later stage with, with the Xbox kind of being your first mm. major platform, um, which it's an interesting take to, to have on, on someone's kind of view of gaming pass, so to speak. So um, glad we, we, we got there. We finally got around to, to getting that, that, that bit of history on, on Guy Drinkle's gaming. Absolutely. And just to add, I do have a PlayStation 4. I have played God of War, as we've done the... We did a small review of that, but we did a full review of Spider-Man, didn't we? So I do have access to a PlayStation 4, which only happened because my dad had a PlayStation because he lives... or he worked. He worked over in Cumbria, and I live in the Northeast. Um, So he had the PlayStation 4 to kind of be like a smart TV hub. Um, My... Xbox, I had the day one Xbox as I said, but I ended up getting an Xbox One S, so I ended up just trading my original Xbox with my dad's PlayStation 4, because I want, I wanted to play um, Horizon Zero Dawn because, like, like, robot dinosaurs, um, so I ended up get, doing that um, did all that, didn't really get on that, I enjoyed Horizon didn't finish it, um, I might have to go back to that one day um, but yeah, it, it allowed me to get access to to Spider Man, which it is one of the best games of this gen. But I don't think it's I don't think it is. But it's one of the most fun games. Hundred, it, it must be up there in the the fun games. And God of War, it it must be it must be in the top three best games of this gen, undisputedly. And then it depends on you on your uh, on your biases whether it's witcher 3 rdr2 or the witcher i'd probably say or um or god of war in, in um, the top three games of this gen so yeah and then just to finish got a switch pokemon bit of a lull civilization and and um crash bandicoot 
But yeah, the, I think the Switch is kind of, it's there. I know I have access to it, but I'm kind of waiting for the game that's going to ignite it again. And I think that'll obviously be Pokemon. <laughs> I was going to say more Pokemon. Yeah, that would just be Pokemon. Yeah, I have a lot of friends that are kind of waiting on Switches to, to pick up pick up that. I mean, I haven't played my Switch in a while. And it, it's something I, I, I regret because, like, I want, there's games I want to play on it, but it's just, it's you know, it's, it's one of those things. There's just so many games and so little time. Um, but uh, nice segue there into um, kind of the modern day. Um, what have you been playing lately, Guy? Oh, this is uh, almost as detailed as my other list. Um, uh, I got, um, well, you alluded to actually, I got um, Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy IX on the sale during the E3. So that was the uh, start of, no, it was like the middle of last month, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, it doesn't feel that long ago, E3. But uh, yeah, I got them two on sale. So I've been playing through Final Fantasy Seven. I think I'm on like disc two um, on that, as I said. So I'll eventually get to Final Fantasy Nine, which is one of my, uh, uh, it's probably my favourite Final Fantasy I played. I know I didn't mention it, but I was kind of lost in the PlayStation 2 era. Um, so yeah, I got looking forward to that. I got I got the dream game car, Crash Bandicoot Team Racing, Crash Team Racing. Um, it's brilliant. It's a bit of a bastard, but it's brilliant. It does what it needs to do. Uh, but it's, I, it's I've heard it's hard. It I've is. heard it's, it's very hard in comparison to the uh, the original game. Um, I know it has like a difficulty options. So you can drop it down, and as people said, then it makes it a bit more accessible, like Mario mm. Kart. But I have heard it's a, it's a very tough game. I haven't picked it up yet. Yeah. Uh, kind of waiting for for more people to to commit mm. to it. But um, I've heard. Of, yeah, sorry. The thing is, if you're playing a game, do you start on easy or do you start on medium? As you... Usually medium. Yeah. Um, depends. If it's a game or series I'm particularly good at or something, I'd probably go straight for the most difficult mm-hmm. setting, but yeah. usually normal. Yeah, so I, I started Crash Team Racing on medium, and it was hard as a bastard. And you have to start. You have to start again to change the difficulty. I think, unless I'm just being stupid, I might be. I might actually be stupid on that. But <laughs> I was like, okay, I've done like three races. I'm not starting again. Should have, but yeah. So I eventually found a character that I could win with, and then it kind of it kind of trans transformed the game. So I think if if anyone does pick it up or is struggling with it, just just try all the characters, and you'll find one um, eventually. I, I recommend Tiny. The not the not so tiny. Uh, I don't know what he is. I think he's a dingle or something. But yeah, he's a he's a big lad. Um, but yeah, on on the in the same week or it might have been a week after, I got F one twenty nineteen. Uh, I I enjoy F one as as I'm sure people in the one up group suffer with on on occasional weekends when it's me Neil and Nathan talking about it. Uh, but yeah, it, it, the game's better than the real life sport because well yeah. <laughs> not hard um and that that's something i used to en- enjoy quite a lot with my mates on on multiplayer because you could do um a season properly together and they've, they've not really brought that back which is a bit disappointing but yeah it's, it's a very well made game and stuff like that and uh yeah finally my mates back to annoying me back to playing fifa 19 and that game is shit 
like if it's really shit. So I, I just can't wait. I can't wait for FIFA 20 to hopefully not be shit, and then hopefully, um, yeah, uh, FIFA Street is is what it, what I hope it's going to be. But yeah, FIFA 19 is a bad game. There's your, there's yet another hot take. <laughs> yes, I don't think it's that hot actually. But what have you been playing? Um, I haven't been playing as as wide a range as you. Uh, lately, I've been focused on Final Fantasy Nine and completing it. I completed it yesterday, Ooh. which is actually the first time I'd ever finished it because when I was younger, as was my curse with many RPG, I tried to. To complete that I'd either save over my own save or lose my memory card and that happened to me with Final Fantasy 9 when I was on disc 4 in my youth so I finally finished it yesterday I'm now trying to dust off the uh, platinum and uh, hands on the table I've kind of cheated to get the platinum and um, people who people who are familiar with the game will know that there's uh, certain trophies linked to things that uh, can be quite a headache there's the the skipping mini game where you have to skip a thousand times and it gets progressively harder uh there's also the racing mini game where again it gets progressively harder so i used remote play and auto scripts to nail both of those um and then that left me with um there was two left which was ten thousand kills and the Excalibur 2, which basically involves speed running the game up until basically the end of the game. If you reach this point in less than 12 hours, you can get this like sword that's like the best sword in the game for a certain character. Um, so with the 10,000 kills, again, I can't be bothered just killing. Like I think in a natural playthrough, you probably get about two to 3,000 kills, depending on how much of a grinder you are. So you're far off 10,000. So again, auto script got a the the remote play got a rubber band had it running all last night while i was asleep <laughs> uh, rubber band around the controller auto script tapping the a just go to an area where the enemies are easy and just just let it blast but i'm still not done it's still on it was on for about 10 hours and still not on so um i mean i, I felt i had to turn off my playstation for a few hours this morning that that thing was was running hot so We'll, we'll we'll probably get back to that over overnight tonight. So, um, but I think I'm already know what I'm gonna play next. I'm looking at I know it was free this in this month's um, PlayStation Plus titles. Uh, Detroit Become Human. Mm. I do own it on disc somewhere. I picked it up in an Amazon sale at one point, but I don't know where my disc is. So, um, I'll just download it for free and and play that next so uh that, mm. that's definitely my next game and i gather that won't be i'll probably get that finished within a week because it's it's kind of a 10 to 12 hour maybe game so i think that's a nice little palette cleanser after playing like 100 hours of final fantasy 9 but yeah so final fantasy 9 has, has been me for for the past few weeks yeah and i think that's one of my next ones on the list so maybe we could do a final fantasy 9 review probably in about two years when i finished it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, I, I do, I do like the look of um, Detroit Become Human. But obviously, I have to dust off my PlayStation. <laughs> and, uh, one day, I'll find a spot for both of them. One day, but um, yeah, this has been uh, my gaming history in our next pod. I wasn't going to say next week. On our next pod, um, we will do your gaming history, and hopefully, we get some more news as well. But we've still finished up doing an hour and a half, Carl, because. 
an hour pod just for chumps, isn't it? <laughs> That's just standard. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. we have to give give people a bit of extra, you know. Exactly, exactly. Uh, at least it's only one part. But yeah, thank thank you, Carl, and thank you everyone um, listening at home. If you do want to follow us on Twitter, it's at one up underscore AI, and if you're listening um, on the actual ai app and you're wondering where we are on um any other podcast services if you if you want to like catalog them in one area we're on ai channel i think we are officially but uh, yeah any any recommendations for a show or anything just tweet either me or carl on, on our private ones or do tag uh, one up ai make the promise every show but i will use it eventually i will use it more eventually um but yeah, do do tweet us if you want any recommendations on a show. So yeah, thank you everyone. Goodbye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.